Welcome to Bite the Orange. Through our conversations, we create a roadmap for the future of health with the most impactful leaders in the space. This is your host, Dr. Manny Fumble. Let's make the future of healthcare a reality together. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bite the Orange. And today we are speaking to a very special guest all the way from Holland. Exactly. And today we learn about the, the health tech ecosystem down in, in Holland. And that's not only that, but today I think we have a special opportunity to listen to Roseanne. She has a very special way of looking at healthcare and something that I fully align with. And I think most listeners will actually support her on this particular mission. But she is definitely a guest that we need to have on the show. And today I would like to introduce you to Roseanne Wormerdam, the founder and CEO of Hellblocks and also the founder of Paddle Network. Welcome to the show, Roseanne. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Zora Zen. So tell us something about yourself. Personally, I have a background in biomedical sciences. I'm not sure how it happened, but I'm wired, loving the human body and how it all works. I remember being a little girl standing in front of the mirror. I think I was like six or seven years old and looking at my hand and feet and thinking, I could only think of like, how does it work? How can it be that I just like moving around and I don't even have to think about it. So Basically, I always have a million questions for my parents and my family about the human body, biology, and everything around it. So that curiosity led me to studying biomedical sciences. But during and towards the end of my study, I realized that we know a lot about disease, but we don't know a lot about health and how it works. And if we are trying to cure people, when are they cured? What is the health perspective that we are having here? And I was like disappointed that wasn't something that was covered in my studies. There wasn't a lot of information available about it. Also, we have like preventative healthcare, which is coming up in in the past years, but I graduated around 10 years ago and it wasn't that big. So I went on a journey to learn a lot about healthcare systems all over the world, kind of like shaping my vision on prevention and Having kind of like a passion to, to make an impact on, on that front. And yeah, my personal mission is to increase healthy life expectancy of people around the globe. So not only to become older, but how do we become older in, in good health and happiness and well-being, of course. So that is something that we are working on with our companies uh, every day. Roseanne, you said many things and I'd like to peel back and some of those ideas and actually flush them out. I think that we don't understand what, much about disease either. Something I really like about your background piece is like looking at how the human body also connects to the planet around us, right? It's been something that in general, we ignore things and we just look at what is health data in general, right? What is healthcare data? And I think that how we interact with a society and how we interact in general with everything around us and how the human body actually fits with a physical environment actually plays a big role in health and what health is. What do you think about that? Yes, that's very important. If you look at basically the numbers that we're seeing nowadays is that your chances to become old to age old in in a healthy way are for 80% determined by lifestyle, but also environment. And I think we are, it's very easy to overlook that, right? Because environment is something, it's very hard already to control your lifestyle. Let's say alone that you have to do something about your environment as well, but it's very important. And you see a lot of, what I love about my journey in the past years is that I've learned that a lot of things that are happening in the outside world are also reflected in our inside world on a lot of systems in our body. If you look at new findings on epigenetics, but I love the whole metaverse around the microbiome as well. And what I love about the microbiome is that we literally use it from the planet. The bacteria in and around our body are not yours. They are, you can host them. And they've been here 
way before us and will be there way after me as well. So they're kind of like all like hints towards that we have to look at a different approach and take healthcare out of a building. It's not happening in a doctor's office or a hospital. It's happening in our day-to-day life, in the environment in which we move around in. And we can do so much more about it. Indeed, health data or making sense of that world, our inside world and our outside world, is something that's very difficult. But I believe it's kind of like a geek that the data also always gives like some clues that we can work around with, but are also always like a mystic effect that you can predict upfront. Rosette, I always say that we are be- being a physician myself, and I'll tell you that I got to a point where I felt like we're in the business of sick care, not health. And when we say the word healthcare, I think we need to look at, at the whole human. And when you have to look at people as patients, oh, you're a patient or you're I like the word consumer, I like the word person in general, because all of us will be patient at one point in time or the other. And so I have this vision of something that I'm very interested in. And I hope through the journey of this podcast, the story that we go through is actually create this kind of ecosystem. And I think that's what you're probably working on the panel network. Peace of which I'm happy to become a member and we'll talk about that later and how we could join in there. But I look at this thing from, you mentioned epigenetics, looking at the point of looking at the human genome. Right. So I got myself, for example, I got my whole genome sequenced. Right. And I know the risk of disease. Right. What is the risk of me having the condition? Right. I know, for example, my grandmother died from heart failure. She had hypertension. When I did my gene sequencing, I found that I have a risk for hypertension. I also found that, that I have the ability to smell asparagus in urine. I don't know how useful that is, but that's something that I found about myself. And so there are two things for me to do about it. I could either do nothing and just wait till I get disease or I could become more proactive about my healthcare today. But there's no centralized ecosystem for me to actually collect what is data steps around. I have proactive alerts to actually make me more to improve my healthcare. And this could be any condition for any particular person. And so I think this brings it down to what you do at Hubblocks, right? So tell me specifically about Hubblocks and what you do there. Yes, that, that is almost what we are doing with Hubblocks. So Hubblocks is a, a Web3 company, a blockchain-based company build on the fundamental belief that we believe that kind of like health data and especially the preventative health data, kind of like that we are collecting with our IoT devices that we're collecting on our day-to-day lives so and not the healthcare data, your health records. And how can we utilize that data to help improve people to have that higher healthy life expectancy, so to manage their health throughout their entire life. And I think we have to start pretty early with that. And we have to build out the infrastructure to be able to do that. So Helplox is basically a health platform in which you can save and store all your health data at one place. So normally all the data, your health data is pretty siloed. Maybe you are using a Fitbit or an Apple Watch and that data of that wearable or device is stored with that hardware provider and you had your DNA sequence or your microbiome analyzed and that is kind of stored with the provider of that service. And there's not one place where it all comes together. And so that's what we are providing with Helplox. But we're building it on a fundamental belief that we believe that the user should always be the owner of the data and should always be in full control of what's happening with it. And that's like where blockchain comes in and where we can make sure that people are the real owner of their data. We have still a long way to go because the devices that we are using are not trusted yet, but we will kind of start off with some hybrid models there. And then the question is, how can we use that data for one, to improve our health? And the second very important thing is how can we democratize the value of data? And I will, we would love to see a way that we democratize the monetary value of the data as well to make sure that a lot more people get access to health support, right? The preventative health support or health care if you need it, if you become sick or have something. But make that, make it available to a lot more people. And to do that, we can like divide it up the, the kind of like the utility of the data that we're using in three ways, a gamification part. 
So we have some, we have some, we are designing some very cool gamification features that can like reward people for a healthy lifestyle. But also, you can also be rewarded by for just collecting data. You don't always have to complete a goal. That is, of course, even better. But you can also compound on collecting data on its own because if you have, if you're collecting more data for a longer period of time, where data sets become more valuable as well. Uh, for your prediction of your health, but also the monetary value. The second one is providing access to health support. So health services and health products that are personalized and made for you and are available to you that you can pay for uh, partly with the rewards that you're earning in the gamification part. And then the third way is the data exchange. Like how can we make the data exchangeable to third parties without losing the ownership for the user, but also get back a small revenue stream in which you can use for that health support. That's kind of like the ecosystem that we are envisioning and building at the moment. Which is quite fascinating because you're basically paying people to stay healthy, right? And giving them ownership of the data. So from my understanding, this is how it works, right? In general. So you download the Help Locks app, right? You could get this in iOS or Android, and then you create your health profile, which I'm doing this immediately after this, by the way, right? <laughs> and then you have to save your recovery phase. Because we create with blockchain technology, you have a whole phrase, make sure that you actually own your data sets, right? So you save your recovery phrase, connect your smart device, complete your health goals, and then earn health. That's what I really love about that piece of it. You're actually earning health and being proactive about what you're actually doing here. But so tell me something here. Why health blocks, right? So what I'm very fascinated with this question is not only about what you do for health blocks, but also I'm also curious about mindset in Holland, for example, right? I think it's a cultural piece of several companies coming out of Holland focus on the blockchain and the mentality of the culture that you live in. So tell us about So why health blocks? The first off is that we are always are looking around in the world, like how can we how is emerging technology helping to help us with the mission to increase that healthy life expectancy of many? And there are a couple of things that are very challenging in our field, and that is scalability. A lot of like healthcare initiatives are not scalable beyond the borders of the country they are launched in because of the healthcare system is so different in all worlds. So that was something that we got very excited about health blocks. And the, the second thing is that I truly believe that we make that the potential so huge about making use of the health data that we're collecting nowadays. And we see that the also the hardware manufacturers are moving that way. If we're looking at the evolution, evolution of smartwatches and some routes that are that Apple is taking regarding to sensors that they are putting in there. We are collecting so much data about ourselves. How can it be that it's so hard to incorporate it in some good infrastructure that helps manage our health throughout our life? And I just don't believe that within the healthcare ecosystem there will be kind of like a solution for this because I believe that prevention that we have to ask ourselves the question, does prevention belong to healthcare? Because if I look at the healthcare system around the world, they are just like not designed to do something beyond their own building. And health and prevention is happening in our daily lives. So we have to look at the way we're from a consumer perspective and make it fit in our daily lives, in our daily routines, and make it accessible. And I think it's very to have that level of innovation from within the healthcare sector. So that's something that we always try to stay away from for a while while we can. And I, the third thing is that I believe that hopefully in, in not that near future, a Nobel Prize for healthcare will be will be rewarded to some data-driven or AI that predicts a heart disease or something, right? I believe that we live in times that nobody should die from, from a heart attack, right? It is so predictable. It's not happening from one day to another. It's something that builds up in years and years. How can it be that we are not managing that or just missing that? The data should be there already. So 
I think it's just kind of like a direction that we are moving in and we are missing some fundamental infrastructure to do it the right way. And democratizing the value of the data is very important, in my opinion, to make sure that it's a fair system that is accessible for everybody. And that is one of my biggest concerns is that preventative health and a healthy life expectancy will be only for the few and not for the many. And that, is, that, that, is, that should be design flaws that we have to think about from the start. And you said something that's very important there. And just to highlight the cause, those I, my family is background from Cameroon and I grew up listening to like French or Zouk music, which is like Kassav or Compad or Our Lady. And one of the big artists, his name is Mika Ben. He died in France actually a few days ago, actually performing on stage at the age of 41. It's collapsing night. We have Matthew Gianfo, which is a Cameroonian soccer player, died in a soccer stadium from a heart attack. I have a friend I went to high school with, John Paul but never drank, never smoked, died at the age of 28 by pulmonary embolism. And he was a nurse right, in healthy shape. I have several other stories like this of young people in my age and generation that died from heart attacks. Like just things that are preventable in today's world. I think that we could do. People should not be dying like that, right? So when we talk about this, it's not something about some futuristic imaginary thing that actually happens, right? I've worked personally on a study designed to predict this kind of this, this situations. You could have you could do it today with Apple Watch and Fitbits and all these things that exist today in today's world. But the average person does not know about this. As we have a conversation talking about what we discussing, and we talk about the idea of keeping this out of the healthcare ecosystem, it's quite depressing, Roseanne, don't you think? Right? Because when we look at healthcare, it's sick care, right? To have something like this and then say, let's keep it out of the healthcare infrastructure, right? Let's put it in the consumer world of it. Isn't it scary? Yeah, or we can say healthcare should officially be named sicker. And it's kind of like what their kind of like focus point is and where they are good at, and we have to provide good care for everybody. And Acute care when it's necessary, of course, but the health management, the whole trajectory that is before you you enter a building or entering the health, the sick care system. The question is, should that also be under their management? I'm not sure what the right answer is. I'm not hoping that it will become like a market-driven, a completely market-driven journey, but I'm pretty sure that we're not getting far if we are waiting for the sick care folks to, uh, to show up here. I think that revolution that movement uh, comes from the individual, right? It's not something that is a system that we have to create and see if you're in the system or out of the system, right? It comes down to you as the individual to say, do you want to take care of your own health care? Do you want to take care of yourself as the individual? And whether you get sick or not, what is the best version of you? So it's not necessarily, am I the, because you could go through that system. You could be in a sick care site or have, like, for example, you have a broken bone. Of course, you go to the hospital, right? You don't stay home and play with an app, right? But so you could come in and out of the system, but it's a continuum, right? And it's, it's based on you as an individual to maintain your own healthcare uh, piece. Exactly. So it has to be in the hands of the individual. And I think that all of which to do that has to be driven by blockchain technology. So I like that core element of it, how you earn something, right? Because your data becomes something that you can actually own rewards from. And how you get me fight that makes it actually very interesting. Yeah, exactly. I like what you say. It's a continuum, right? It's just that is something that we as individuals or as society are not used to have like a continue that, that we have this health management in place. That is like a part of our daily life to save some time, energy and have to do some of our health management and not only living a healthy lifestyle, but also check if it's all going okay, having kind of like an internal check once in a while to see how that's going. And that can be data-driven. It's also like being in touch with our own feelings and knowing ourselves, of course. But yeah, I like what you're saying. I love what you're doing. So I'm saying you're doing. So that's actually, that's a good thing. So it takes, it's teamwork, it's teamwork here. So I noticed that you launched in Q3 of 2019 and I've looked at roadmap. So you started by research in Q3 2019, they did your ecosystem design in Q2 2021. And now if I look at so go like Q4 2022, you have a goal of having a public sale IDO 
and the road to 15K, 15,000 active users. So how many active users do you currently have on the platform, on the beta platform? Yeah, so we are only live with the beta version of the app, so it's very basic at the moment. We were expecting, we were hoping to get two to 3,000 beta users up and running in, in the beta phase. We are now over 12,000. So it kind of took a flight and we almost did no very little marketing efforts to get there. So we were like really surprised when this happened. And we're now working towards the main launch of Helplocks in it probably will be Q1 of next year. Yeah, the markets, times change, the world changed a little bit. So we are also taking some extra time to, to take some extra steps and build up further on, on what we've learned from the beta. Yeah. You're, look, you're hoping to have what, 3,000 and you have what, 12,000? Is that what you said? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Congratulations on that. First of all, that's great. Yeah. And it so was where is this from? Where are the users from? Do you know what part of the world they're in? Is it all in Europe? Don't tell me. No, we are downloaded in over 80 countries, but the main, the main target audience is in, in Asia. So a lot of Indian, Indonesian, Southeast Asia. Then we have a quite big portion in Europe and the US as well. But it went down, not viral, but it went down like it, it, we had a lot of growth, user growth in, in India and Indonesia. And it's mainly due because of kind of like the move to earn hype or kind of like energy was going on. So a lot of people are trying out new move to earn concepts, of which Hellblocks was one of them. So we were at some point of time, we were shared in a lot of groups and a lot of users can the app. And that was also the point that we decided to not do any marketing whatsoever anymore on, on the beta launch because we thought we can learn from this amount of users, but we don't want to grow that much in, in this phase because it's very basic at the moment. That is quite fascinating and interesting because a lot of times, like I'm in the US and you're in Europe, a lot of times we look at about innovation in healthcare, we look at it in the silos, right? Oh, is it something that's going to scale in the US health system? Is it something that's in Europe? And we can ignore the rest of the markets. So this is a great example of democratizing healthcare and making healthcare truly global, where you have people actually being prized by healthcare. And so with that being said, like some of the age group of people that are in this, what do you know about users, current users? Are they younger population? Well, no. or the, yeah, how old are they? Yeah, the population that or the kind of the target group that, that we that are using the beta now are mostly web three enthusiasts. I think like age group below forty. I'm not sure about the a lot of like the web three community can be translated to our beta community as well. And what we see is that a lot of people that are like indeed are thinking like getting rewarded for a healthy lifestyle is something that I'm really interesting in interested in. And some of them are maybe already having a healthy lifestyle. They are already walking ten thousand steps a day and think oh, I have a smartphone with me. I'm recording those steps, so why not earning some uh, some rewards with it? Others are really using it as a motivational tool to adjust their lifestyle. So we got a lot of messages that people like, I lost already like five kilograms because I'm now walking around each day because I want to make a health streak or want to get rewards. So that's some two different uh, groups that we are seeing. And that's always kind of like the thing, right, with preventative health. A lot of the comments are that only healthy people are using it because they already know the benefits of it and they don't have to adjust a lot anymore in their lifestyle. But we are seeing now is that a lot of our beta users are not like the classical healthy population. They, we have a good mix of everything. And that is what we are really yeah, happy about. So things is quite fascinating what you've done up to this point and where you're going. So what has been the biggest challenge so far? that you faced and what you're building is very sophisticated technology. It's a mindset that is completely different, right? And so I'm sure there'll be some challenges along the journey. So what I'm can you share some of those with us, please? Yeah, so we have we have a good amount of challenges to be honest. The technical part of course is one we are working with some new technology. We are building help blocks is being built on the IOTEX blockchain. 
which is a layer one blockchain built from scratch. So it's not Ethereum-based blockchain, it's, it's from scratch. But their mainnet is already live since 2019, didn't have any errors so far. And what cool, what's so nice about IoTech, why we are so excited about that, is that they, their blockchain is being built for IoT. And what they want to do is bring real-world data into the digital realm and make it trusted. So they already build like two trusted devices themselves. And they can like making the tools and the SDKs for hardware providers to also make their existing hardware also trusted. So give that real ownership of data to the user. Iotext for us is the perfect partner to make that happen. And what they're launching now is a new protocol, which is called WebStream, which is a real data oracle on which we can do some computing on the data, even though the ownership stays with the users themselves. So that's like really new technology, but we are partnering with a very good partner that helps us through it. What I think is one of the biggest challenges is the perception of markets. So for the traditional digital health and health tech startups, we are like scary because we adopt blockchain and Web3 and the rewarding mechanisms and the data layers and the data infrastructure. And for Web3 projects, we are not Web3 enough because we are not really marketing driven hyping project with some flashy NFTs or, or anything else. We are trying to build a real platform and we are only making use of Web3 technology when we think it makes sense. We are not using it for the sake of using it and adding some buzzwords. So we are, sometimes we feel like a little in between worlds. So that that is sometimes that is really challenging. But yeah, then again, it's very encouraging to see that a lot of people that are, are start using it or consumer, from a consumer perspective, we are very well received. But I think that will be our our main struggle for the short and the midterm to come find our place in the whole ecosystem of digital health, health tech, Web3 blockchain. Now, thanks a lot, Roseanne. I think that was quite fascinating. I love what you're doing. And I know we're wrapping up in a few, but if you're listening to this particular episode, I want you to take this home that help blocks beta, which your current beta state is all about getting active and earning health tokens by completing health goals. And the health tokens that you earn actually during help block beta will be converted into the main launch, right? And airdrop. I mean, you have that piece going. And so please do not miss out on this opportunity and join the help blocks movement. And I'm definitely in the movement and you deserve to be on this particular show. And we are fascinated and, and, and love the journey that you're on. So thanks again, once again, Roseanne. I would love to have you on another episode. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, guys. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Bite the Orange. If you want to change healthcare with us, please contact us at info at emmanuelfambu.com or you can visit us at emmanuelfambu.com or bitetheorange.com. If you like this episode and want more information about us, you can also visit us at emmanuelfambu.com. Thank you.